Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Sermon of the Week. This podcast hosts the weekly Sunday service message from Zion Fellowship, a spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York, pastored by Kristen Joan Wood. We hope this resource encourages, challenges, and helps you in your journey with God. So whether you're driving, washing dishes, or sitting in your living room, let's prepare our hearts together as we hear the word of the Lord. I want you to grab your Bibles. We're going to go very quickly here for the next few minutes. And uh, we're, we're in a sermon series kind of alongside this campaign. It's all about the one. And I'm approaching it by realizing that as the body of Christ, every one of us have opportunities to engage with people who need to know Jesus. And yet sometimes they have questions that are uh, rather challenging. Sometimes they have questions that stump us. And so I'm just trying to work through some of the basic questions that I've heard going out there and talking with people uh, and trying to give you a a little bit of information that might be helpful. Some of you might be even better at this than I am when it comes to engaging people and answering their questions to lead them on a journey towards Jesus. See, whenever we're... um, talking to people about the Lord and they're questioning, you know, things like, is God real and is Jesus the only way and why do you believe the Bible? I think one of the worst things we can do as as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is adopt this defensive mentality where we feel we have to defend what we believe. Now, apologetics is about the defense of the faith, but I think sometimes we take that way too far, and and so we build these walls with people who are genuinely, you know, asking questions because they are seeking truth, and yet we put ourselves in a position like we have to defend ourselves. Like whenever you guys, you Bill fans, go after me for being a Patriots fan, you know, you know, I, I get this thing that goes off on me, and I just, you know, it's, it's like, you know, I just want to show you the six rings. And, okay, but here's, here's the, here, we don't want to do that when we're talking about this stuff, uh, particularly when it has to do with the nature of God, who God is, is God real? And so we've taken some time in our study to look at the topic of how do you talk to people about the reality of God and how do you lead them into that conversation? Another key question that often arises is this question, is the Bible true? Can the Bible be trusted? Well, let's look at a couple of places just to kind of set um, uh, our, our thoughts and our focus this morning. Uh, we're not going to finish this message, I'll tell you that already this morning, but we're going to dive into it, and I hope to give you some practical ideas. So if you'd put up on the screen uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and let's begin reading there, because here's Paul writing to Timothy and writing to a group of believers at Ephesus, and, uh, and this is what he has to say about the Scriptures, and this is what he's saying specifically to a, a young man in the ministry, and he's trying to give him some guidance and, and some instruction and some teaching in regards to how he can conduct his life moving forward. So this is what he says to him. He says, but you, that is Paul speaking to Timothy, but you have carefully followed my doctrine. That is Paul, the, the doctrine that Paul was following. He's, you've watched my manner of life, my purpose, uh, my faith, my long-suffering, my love, my perseverance, my persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me in Antioch, in Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, 
And all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Next slide. But evil men and imposters, they'll grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But here's where we're going to drill down. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, now watch, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Next slide. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete or mature or finished, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the type of scripture that we as believers need to be familiar with. When we look at the word of God, we need to understand that the word of God, the scripture, is an insp- not just an inspirational book in the sense that you get inspired by it, but it's inspired by God himself. In other words, it is a word that was given to mankind. Why? To bring reproof, to bring correction, to bring instruction in righteousness. Why? So that you and I may be mature, that we might grow up. And so to, to pursue this kind of truth and to build your life upon it, you need, I need, if I'm going to really live for Jesus, the, the thing that I have learned over time is I need to learn to trust this book. I need to lean into this book because this is, this is the solid ground, the solid ground that I need to build my life upon. Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount. And if he says, if you will listen to my words and you will build your life upon my words, I will liken you to one who has built his house upon the rock. And when the storms of life assault it, that one, even though they go through the storm, they will not be moved and they will not be shaken and they will not be broken. And so Jesus himself said, if you will build your life upon my word, when the storms of life hit you, you will survive. How many have ever had a storm hit them? How many of you caused the storm? I mean, storms come all different ways, don't they? Sometimes we cause the storm. Sometimes the storm comes whether we like it or not. Sometimes the storm comes because of someone else. So everybody, say it with me, storms come. But what you're building your life upon, no, you don't have to say that part. Storms will come. That was the only part you were supposed to play in this message. Don't get carried away. This is my turn. Eric, you had your turn. So that when storms come, I have something solid to stand upon. And you know, when you start talking to people about the Bible and and why you, you, you trust the Bible and why you read the scriptures and things of that, it, it needs to be rooted and grounded in the reality of who Christ is. Christ is the solid rock. Right? And he is the one that I build my life upon. And so if I take what I have read in this scripture 
and apply it to my life, the word of God, as simple as that sounds, it will cause my life to be unshakable. And that's a life worth living. Now, I didn't always understand the Bible like I understand it today. In fact, when I got saved, the first, actually, I got saved just prior before, to my wedding. And my wedding present from my father-in-law was my very first Bible. This is the very first Bible that I ever owned, okay? And it was given to me as a wedding gift. Now, being a new believer, I thought that was kind of a unique gift, and I felt a little ripped off at first. Like, my, the present that you're giving me for marrying your daughter is a Bible? But I've carried and I've kept this Bible... For 43 years. Joan and I have been married for 40, 43 years this year. In May we'll be 44. Come on, that ought to get a hand clap right there. I know some of you who don't know me well are going, oh, that's amazing. He must have got married when he was 10. But I received my first Bible and I didn't know what to do with it. And so I can remember that we would, uh, when we moved to Connecticut to join the church in Farmington, uh, we, we, you know, I, I would just go to church and, and I would leave my Bible at home because I didn't know that this thing was supposed to go with you. And so uh, one, one Sunday morning, I observed that everybody was walking into the service and they all had their Bibles with them. And so I said, I want to be cool like them. And so uh, the next Sunday, I showed up with my Bible. And I'm like, I'm, I'm as cool as everybody else now. And, I, you know, this is how you carry it in, you know. And I thought, that's, that's all you needed to do. You just carry in your Bible, and Jesus is going to do the rest, okay? And so, uh, so, so I'm sitting there, and I've got my Bible in hand. And uh, the pastor stands up, and he says, I would like everyone now to uh, turn in their Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13. And I thought to myself, I have no idea where that is. I have no idea where to turn to. And so I looked around and I saw everybody, they had their Bibles out and they were leafing through their Bibles going and they were heading towards 1 Corinthians 13. And so, so I said, well, I can do that and, and hopefully I'll fall on it. And so I'm there and I'm, I'm just looking and I'm, you know, Nehemiah and Psalms and where is Corinthians and, 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 and all these pages are rustling and, and I'm like, okay, I don't have to be self-conscious. Everybody's doing the same thing that I'm doing. And then all of a sudden, and the room got quiet, and I'm, I still haven't found it. I'm just, and I looked up, and I just held my Bible like this, like I had found it. And so the, so the pastor says, okay, now I want you to read along with me. And I went, oh, no. And so I started looking again and, and, and looking to see if anybody's watching me, and I'm all self-conscious because I don't know where 1 Corinthians 13 is. And, and suddenly, like a miracle happened, and I'm like, oh, there it is. And, and so I got 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm listening to the preacher, and he's reading, and I'm trying to follow the thing along, and I'm like, I can't find the verse that he's at. And I'm, I'm panicking, and I don't know what to do. And so I, I nudge John and I say, what verse is he at? What verse is he reading from, honey? And she points to the top of the Bible and, and it's, she says, that's not Corinthians, Chris, that's Chronicles. And so, so I, I went, okay, and, and Joan had made this commitment. Joan knew the Word of God, and so she said, I'm not going to do it for you because this is one of those kind of things that you've got to do for yourself. 
really a wise woman, okay? And so I said, okay, and so I got, I bat- so he's preaching now, and I'm still looking for 1 Corinthians, and, and, and finally, I, finally I find 1 Corinthians, and I, and I find 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I get to it, and, and, and I'm settled in, and, and I look up, and he says, okay, now if everybody would just stand, I'd like to close in prayer. I finally found it, yeah. But my, but my point in telling you that story is sometimes we're called to be a people who are familiar with the Word of God. And yet, yet we're not as familiar as we should be. And I, and I, and I say that in this context, not as, as some, some way to, to shame us or to, to do anything, but to encourage you to love the Word of God. Because when you understand the word and you embrace the word of God for your life, when people ask questions about is the Bible true, you'll have something to say to them. Now turn with me and I just have three simple thoughts for us to begin to build upon to build our confidence in the Word of God. You don't have to live your life saying, I don't know where it is. You and I both can learn what it means to be a student of the Word just by being diligent and loving this book. I'm telling you right now, this is not just a book. It's a book of books. It's a book written by numerous people under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And the uniqueness of this book is that even though there are numerous authors all inspired by the Holy Spirit, there is a continuity and a confirmation that is found throughout these pages that is just so amazing that when someone asks me, is the Bible true? I've learned now to be able to sit with them and say to them, let me show you why I believe it's true. See, you and I as believers who have been entrusted with the Word of God, we get the privilege of helping people connect the dots. And so when you turn in your Bibles, if you would, turn to Proverbs chapter 30. And just, I just want to pluck out one verse that has just meant so much to me, and I'm going to make three simple statements, and then we're going to pray, okay? Proverbs chapter 30. I, I love these days, some of you have phones. That's, I call that cheating. Because <laughs> you don't have to turn pages, you just type it in and the thing finds it for you. But that's okay, use it, use it, use it. It's, it's okay, I'll let you off the hook. I, wanna, I love to hear the rustling of pages. It's just, it's just something I grew up with. And so all of you who use your phones, you're robbing me of something. Just, no, I'm just, I'm just trying to be funny with you. Are you there? Proverbs chapter 30. Listen to verses 5 and 6. Every word of God is pure or perfect. Or other translations say flawless. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. And then a warning, do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. When we begin to talk to people around this question, 
Is the Bible true? Is the Bible real? Is it accurate? Can I trust it? I always begin with this passage of Scripture, and I say to them, within itself, the Bible says it's flawless. It's pure. It's without error. Three statements found within the text that will help to create a guideline for us in our study of the Word of God. First of all, notice there are three claims. The first claim is the Bible itself claims that the Word of God is pure. It's faultless. It's tested. That word actually better translated in the Hebrew actually means, when it says it's pure or faultless or, or clean, or actually means it's, it's something that can stand the test. Well, what's the test? The test, I think, is the test of life. If you hold this book up against life and all of the issues of life and all of the things that happen in life, what you will discover, what I will discover, is this book will stand the test of life. That word flawless or that word tested actually is a reference to, to a, a, the smelting process where they take pure uh, ore or the ore of silver or gold, something like that, and they heat it up until there are no impurities left within it. So the writer to the, the man who wrote Proverbs, and that would be King Solomon, who the Bible says was the wisest man that ever walked on the earth, except for possibly Jesus, um, and I would think Jesus was probably wiser than Solomon because Solomon got his wisdom from Jesus, so, okay. This man wrote the Word of God. It's without impurity. It's faultless. It's, it's pure. It's, it's, it can stand the test. That's the first thing I want you to see, that, that the Scripture declares that the words that came from God to those who actually put them down on paper, revelation, the revelation of God, it's faultless. And if you're going to ever have a conversation with somebody about trusting what's in this book, you yourself have to begin being completely convinced that what the Bible says about itself is true. Otherwise, you, you'll never be able to stand up. And, and I would just say that when I look at a scripture like that that says, the word of the Lord is pure, it's faultless, I say, I believe that. Now, it took me years to come to that conclusion but it took the pursuit of studying the Word of God. And here's, here's the thing I want to say to the body of Christ. You're never going to discover that if you don't read this book. We've fallen into the trap of wanting someone else to interpret the Bible for us. And I'm not saying that we don't need teachers, and I'm not saying that we don't need those who will instruct us, who have a little more understanding in the Word of God. But here's the beauty of the Scriptures. Every single believer in this room, an unbeliever, 
can open the Word of God and read it for themselves. And if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit will interpret it for you. He will help you in your understanding of it. And I had to come to that realization because I was, I was raised in, 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 a, in a system that basically said there were a, a chosen few who could interpret this. And you would be better off just listening to them and doing what they tell you to do and not researching it for yourself. And I would just say to everybody in this room today, read the Word of God for yourself, research it for yourself, study it for yourself. The Holy Spirit will help you in the journey and this is what you will discover, that the Word of God is faultless. It's flawless. And You want to have a conversation with somebody about the Word of God? Prepare yourself for that conversation. Second thing I want you to notice is the Word of God claims in this text alone that God is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Well, what does that mean? Why is that included in a text that's talking about the flawlessness of the Word of God? Here's what I believe it's telling us. I believe it's telling us that when I put my trust in the Word of God, He becomes my shield. He becomes, the Word becomes a place of refuge, a place of safety, a place of surety. See, I trust in his word, and I trust in his nature, and I trust in his character, and I learn about God from the word of God. How many of you just love the idea of God being the one who is your refuge? Amen? How do you discover that? You discover that by being in the Word of God. And number three, and it's up there on your screen, the Word of God warns about adding to it, adding to His Word. Now, let me just say a few things about this, and then we'll be done for this morning. The warning that we are not to add to the Word of God. Well, how does that happen? Well, I think there is a temptation in each and every one of us to try to what I call improve the text. If I could say it this way, someone's going to be offended at me when I say this, to make it a little more sexy, to, to, to kind of make it like, come on, this is kind of dull, let's, let's ramp this thing up. And, and, and what we end up doing is we do what Paul warned us not to do. He said, don't go beyond what's written. And you're like, yeah, but if I could just, I could just jazz it up just a little bit, couldn't I? Well, once you do that, what are you introducing? You're introducing your own thoughts, your own ideas, and you're taking that which is pure and you're making it, come on, impure. And you're saying it's the Word of God. And people have done that in the church. And, and here's the thing, I'm going to give you two fancy words. And it helps us in our son. How many of you know what exegesis means? It's the study of the word of God, okay? And it's, it's the studying of the text. And what it means is when you exegete a text, it's, you're, you're looking at it and you're saying, what does it say and what does it mean to me? You're reading, it's called reading out of the text. You're actually taking out of the text what's actually there. But one of the problems in the church today is 
a lot of people in the church have moved away from what is called exergesis to what is called eisegesis. And you know what eisegesis is? It's where I read a text and I make it say what I want it to say. Or I take it out of context and I make it say what I want it to say for my life situation. I had a man come to me once. I'll give you an example of how this works. And he had the Word of God and he was, he was fortified with the Word of God. He thought he was. And, uh, and, and he said, um, he said uh, Pastor Chris, I, just, I want you to know two things about me. He said, number one, God's told me that I'm supposed to be an elder in this church. It wasn't this church. God told me that I'm supposed to be an elder in this church. I said, okay, what's your second thing? He said, second thing is, in, in instructing me to do that, he's also told me to leave my wife. And I said, really? And I said, well, how did you come to those two conclusions? And he said to me, well, I read it in the Bible. And he read a scripture about what it meant to be an elder. And he said all of the qualities. Look at what it says. All of those qualities are in me. And I said, really? And I said, well, I'm really interested. Oh, you're going to love this one. I'm really interested in this idea of you leaving your wife. And this is what he said to me. He goes, Jesus said... <laughs> you're going to laugh that he left the 99 for the one and I'm like in what twisted world do you get the idea that leaving the 99 to go after the one means you can leave your I said do you have 99 wives what's the deal and he said, but it's in the Word. I found it in the Word. And, and, and I said, listen, what you've caved into is the temptation to try to make your worldview what you want it to be instead of submitting to the Word of God and letting Him guide you and lead you. So don't do that, okay? Don't read into the text and make it say what you want it to say. Read the text and take from the text what it's actually saying, okay? The second problem with this thing of adding to the Word of God is our, our ignorance of the Word. Because we don't train ourselves in the Word of God, and again, I don't say this in a condemnatory way. I just say, because we become lackadaisical when it comes to the Word of God, what happens is we become ignorant to what is actually here. And when we become ignorant to what is actually here, we become easily deceived, the Bible says, by every wind of doctrine. We're tossed to and fro. Well, is that true? Isn't that true? Did God say it? Didn't God say it? Why do you think people follow Mormonism or the Jehovah's Witness or Islam? Because they were ignorant of the truth, ignorant of the truth, and someone laid up beside the truth another text they added to the Word of God and deceived many. So how do you avoid deception? How do you avoid falling into that pit? By reading the Word of God and staying true 
to the word. I don't know about you, but when it comes to God's reproof, I don't want his reproof because I've either added to his word or I'm ignorant to his word or I have neglected his word. Amen? I would rather have him be my shield. I would rather have him be my refuge. Now, when you do that, what happens is you begin to become acquainted with his will and his ways. How many of you ever asked yourself, I just wish I knew what the will of God was for my life? Okay? It's right here. Maybe not the specific that you're asking for, but the guidance of the ways of God, how God works and how God leads, so forth and so on. So, when it comes to the will and the way of God, it's right here in the book. So, I know I said I was going to be short, and all of you didn't believe me in the first place. <laughs> but have I laid a foundation for you to begin to realize that when the question is asked, is the Bible real? Can it be trusted? Have I laid a foundation for you to have confidence to be able to enter into that conversation and engage people and lead them into the truth of the book? Three people? Okay. I really didn't do my job then this morning. Amen. The Word of God is flawless. Can you back up one, Amy? Can you try that? And let's just Let's just close with reading Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6. Go ahead. Hit it one more time. There we go. Everybody, let's stand to our feet, and let's close reading this word aloud as we position ourselves to be able to answer the question. Now, I know I didn't go and cover every span of this, and there's more that we can cover on this, and we will next week. But I wanted to lay a foundation for you in, in regards to the Bible being flawless. That book that you hold in your hand called the Bible, the Holy Scripture, it's flawless. It's pure. It's holy. It's incredible. And we ought to love the Word. We ought to cherish the Word of God. We ought to hold it close to our hearts. And if you're just in the process of learning what the Word of God has to say to you, let me encourage you, I was once there too. And I just kept pursuing, and I just kept pressing in, and I kept reading, and I kept discovering. And finally, there came just a, a confidence and a comfort with the Word of God. And so let's read this together. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in Him. Do not add to His words, lest He rebuke you, and you be found to be a liar. There are philosophies out in the world today that try to negate the truth of this book. And my Bible tells me that every one of them is a liar. But here's the thing. That's not the line you want to lead with. You're a liar. From the pit of hell. Word of God is true and will burn you if you try to add to it. You're not going to influence or win anybody that way. What you're going to do is you're going to say, hey, I believe this book and let me tell you why. And gently walk them into it. Amen? Amen. Amen. You want to pray? Come on, let's pray.
Father, we thank you. We thank you. I thank you. Come on. If you brought your Bible or your phone to church today, hold it up like this. Come on. Whatever, whatever you're using, whatever form you're using, okay? How, how many phones? All right. You guys stop the phone thing right now and start bringing your books. No, that's okay. <laughs> here, here. Hold your book. See? Hold your book up and phone. Hold your phone up. <laughs> Amen. Father, we thank, come on, just thank him. Thank you for the word of God. I thank you that this word speaks to my heart, that it's true, it's flawless. It will lead me and guide me into truth. I believe it is without error. And I thank you for it. Lord, I want to be a student of this word. So now this is what we're going to pray today. Cause me to be disciplined in my reading and my study of this word so that I might be able to explain to those who question its reality, question its truth, question the sincerity that is found within these pages for those who have been deceived or blinded by the adversary of this age. Lord, give me the wherewithal to be able to sit and dialogue and talk with them about the preciousness of this word to me. And Lord, I pray for every one of us that we would go from this place today convinced that your word is true and real and we would cherish this Bible. We would cherish this book. We would cherish these scriptures in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We hope this message has encouraged and challenged you in your walk with God today. Again, this podcast is a resource of Zion Fellowship, a spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York. If you'd like to learn more about us, find us at our website at zionfellowship.net or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Also feel free to give us a call at 585-394-7450. Blessings to you as you continue in your day.